The following program is part of the Inner Circle Podcasting Group. Go to innercirclecomics.com for more high-quality podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Greetings, my friend. This is the brain of TV's Pinky in the Brain. And you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Yes! Sort of break it, break it down like good. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is my pleasure to welcome you to THN. Wait, it's my pleasure. Oh, okay. That's fine. It's your pleasure, too. It is our pleasure yeah. to welcome you to THN episode 213. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, June 17th. My name is Matt Baum. That's at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not recounting fond memories of me grabbing the blue crayon instead of the peach one while drawing self-portraits as a child, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for WordPoint.com. Tasteful and funny, he said. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not blowing the whistle on my co-host, who's been self-identifying as Cree for too damn long now, I know his parents and they are both earthlings. There's no genetic evidence of that. I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. This week, you'll hear our reviews of... Prez number one and the fiction number one. After that, we'll review 10 more of this week's new comics while working on our thumbstick calisthenics during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where the Pope stops by for our summer solstice party and to discuss two of next week's comics. And finally, the comic <laughs> pushers are rolling into the hood to poison the youth with some highly addictive comics. And interview one of their creator homies, Mr. Alan White. But before we slap this pig in the butt and send it squealing away, let's take a moment to thank our dads for not making us play sports, which probably made us the big adult baby nerds we are today. Thanks, Dad. I mean, I did play sports. Did you? Yeah. I did too. I was just really bad at it. And then we can talk about this week's big news! This week, Z2 Comics, the boutique graphic novel publisher of acclaimed graphic novels by Paul Pope, Harvey Picard, Dean Haspiel, and Miss Lasko Gross, announced a new line of creator-owned periodical comic books. Time out. Is her name Miss? Miss. Okay. Lasko Gross. Man, that's got to be confusing for a lot of people. (laughs) The New York-based company will launch its comic line in the fall of 2015 with three titles. The first creator-owned comic by Bravest Warriors artist Ian McGinty, an international adventure caper by Paul Pope's protege Chris Hunt, and the comic book debut by Last Week Tonight with John Oliver writer Will Tracy and his co-writer Gabe Koplowitz. Jew. <laughs> All Z2 periodical titles will be the standard 32 pages for $3.99 and will be distributed at comic book stores nationwide via Diamond and available digitally through Comixology. Quote, there's no house style to Z2 Comics because our comics are spectacularly diverse, said Z2 Comics publisher Josh Frankel. We have an all-ages comic book chock full of demons and monsters about the eternal tension between a slacker son and his ambitious father, who literally wants to take over the universe. There's a world-trotting caper full of sex, intrigue, and adventure. And then there's a hilarious fantasy story about an aspiring cartoonist who must avenge his father's death, end quote. It sounds like that's all part of the all-ages comic It's book. all part of the same comic. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, kids, do you like sex, intrigue, and adventure? <laughs> what about revenge stories? <laughs> Here's a breakdown of Z2's first comic offerings. Welcome to Showside by Ian McGinty, October 2015. 
Following his stint as artist on The Bravest Warriors comic book, Ian McGinty will publish his creator-owned debut as writer-artist with Z2. Welcome to Showside features the adventures of Kit, a lovable kid with a monstrous secret. His dad is the great Shadow King, and he wants Kit to take over the family business of destroying the world. Carver by Chris Hunt, November 2015. After an absence of five years, globe-trotting and notorious gentleman of fortune Francis Carver returns to Paris in 1923. He comes back to aid Catherine Ayers, the wife of a wealthy Parisian socialite and the only woman he has ever loved. Her daughter has been kidnapped by the leader of a crazed anarchist gang, a man named Stacker Lee. I think he's in rush. In order to bring the girl home, Francis will have to crawl through the underbelly of the city while confronting the demons of his past. Were you trying to make a Getty Lee joke? Yeah, I made a Getty Lee joke. I didn't try to make a Getty Lee joke. I don't know if that one hit. I don't know. We'll let the internet judge that. Before being (laughs) faced with a final choice, succumb to the man he has become or take that mask off and be the hero he always wanted to be. And here it is, my personal favorite. (laughs) It's a great name. Alan, son of Hellcock. <laughs> December 2015. Alan is cowardly, directionless, and less physically menacing than a daffodil. Sort of like Joe Patrick. Yeah. He's also the only son of the mightiest hero ever to plunge his sword hilt deep into the dark heart of evil. Whoa. The mighty Hellcock. <laughs> Enjoy the ride as Alan is thrust sword first into an, a lot of like imagery. Thrust. <laughs> hilt deep. Enjoy the ride as Alan is thrust sword first into a not so classic fantasy quest that, frankly, he would rather just sit out. Matt, what do you think of Z2's plan to infiltrate the monthly comic market so far? I don't know no Z2. I've never heard of these guys, but well, they make graphic novels. Yeah, I mean they make graphic novels by very famous people that I really, really like. I have read books by Miss Lasco Gross, as confusing as her name is. All of this sounds awesome. All of this sounds totally awesome. Yeah, Welcome to Showside has this kind of Adventure Time, Help Us Great Warrior kind of look and feel to it. Okay. Uh, I'm sure that's not an accident. The dude came from Bravest Warriors. Yeah, he also just drew that Bill and Ted's thing for uh, the Bill and Ted's Most Triumphant Return. He did oh, some was work he on that? that? Yeah. Nice. Uh, Alan, Son of Hellcock is the greatest comic book title in the history of the media. Yeah, no, like I, I will pre-order that without even seeing it. <laughs> they all sound great. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be fun. And more monthly comics, good for them. Which is a good sign when you see smaller companies like this getting into the monthly comic business. It means there's money in monthly comics again. Yeah, I mean, Fanagraphics is doing it with uh, Hip Hop Family Tree. Heavy Metal just did it. Heavy Metal is back. Lots of people are jumping on this. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. The more, the merrier. And especially if they attract good talent. Yeah, and this is serious A-list talent. This is really cool. In Hollywood news, stars with a Z has announced that their planned adaptation of Neil Gaiman's American Gods has finally gotten the green light to move forward. American Gods follows ex-convict Shadow Moon, who partners up with the mysterious con man Mr. Wednesday, secretly a god himself, becoming embroiled in a battle between classic mythological gods who have fallen out of style and the, quote, new American gods based on greed, technology, and celebrity. Hannibal's Brian Fuller and Michael Green of Heroes fame will write and act as showrunners with Gaiman acting as executive producer in their press release. Stars with a Z said, quote, we hope to create a series that honors the book and does right by the fans who have been casting it in their minds for years. Gaiman added, quote, I am thrilled, scared, delighted, nervous, and a ball of glorious anticipation. 
The team that is going to bring the world of American Gods to the screen has been assembled like the master criminals in a caper movie. Colin, I'm relieved and confident that my baby is in good hands. Joe! Do you think Neil Gaiman sounds like the British Bill Cosby? Because yeah, that's what you just did. Yeah, he's like a super weird dude. <laughs> I know you don't really read books without pictures. Have you ever checked out Gaiman's novels? And do you think stars with a Z can do his work justice on the small screen? Better question. Will you be adding stars to your entertainment package on your cable? <laughs> Not just to get American Gods. Because if no. you would like to, DirecTV is calling me about this all the time. <laughs> you know, I have never read any of Neil Gaiman's novels. I read this book. It was fantastic. I, I did love the movie Stardust, which is based on a Neil Gaiman book. I read it a while ago. It's a fantastic book. And it's the kind of thing that they only could play well on cable. I like that all these different, you know, HBO, Showtime, Stars, Cinemax. I like that they're all getting into the original series game. Yeah. Because they can do things that you just can't do other places. Like Game of Thrones would never have existed anywhere else. Gaiman's other stuff has been adapted to TV with varying levels of success. I think they yeah. did a Neverwhere show on like BBC. A, it was a yeah, it was like a, it was like a I think they, they did, did a, a whole bit. series. Yeah. I don't remember hearing that it was that great. Yeah. But I will say this. I love Hannibal and Brian Fuller. Brian Fuller. Love is them. One of the most talented men working in TV. Brian right now. Fuller did uh, Pushing Daisies. Yeah. Uh, uh, Wonderful. There are episodes of Hannibal Wonderfalls? that made me feel like I was going insane. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. So I think that this book is in phenomenal hands with Brian Fuller. It doesn't matter what it's about. I'm confident that that dude is able to get a handle on it and create an adaptation within the confines of TV that will be amazing. That dude brought Hannibal Lecter to regular yeah. network television, and it is some of the goriest shit I have ever seen. Yeah, it's super gnarly. I love that show. Oh. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Finally, the news we've all been waiting for. On Wednesday, the restaurant chain Denny's announced itself as the, quote, official restaurant partner of 20th Century Fox's upcoming Fantastic Four movie. See, I lost this bet. I thought it for sure was going to be Hardee's. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what does this mean? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Get ready to experience a truly epic Slamtastic Four oh menu. God. Featuring items based on Marvel's first family, like the Human Torch Skillet. <laughs> The Thing Burger. Of course. And something called the Invisible Woman Slam because they couldn't come up with a better title than that. As if that weren't enough, Denny's will be giving away a trip for two to the FF movie premiere on August 4th to a pair of lucky fans. And Denny's new menu hits restaurants on June 23rd. Matt, I think the only question I have about this is what took them so goddamn long? Oh, I know. There, there was a time for a while there where you could look at what movie was sponsoring the NBA Finals, because the NBA Finals <laughs> are always in the summer, and they like cut this ridiculous trailer with like part of the movie, and then dude slamming a basketball, you know, or whatever. And you could just say to yourself, well, that movie's going to be terrible. <laughs> it was a safe bet. Like, and like, I would get worried. He's like, oh, no, I was looking forward to seeing that. <laughs> like, so, uh, I, I mean, I'm not even I don't even think that this movie looks like a complete train wreck. Uh, well, we don't know that yet. I don't think it looks like a complete train okay. wreck based on what I've seen. Yeah, but we know that the director was super hard to work with and well, like got allegedly, allegedly, and, like, and was pissed off. They changed its story. Like, I don't know. There's a lot going against it. And Denny's sponsoring the Fantastic Four. 
not a great sign. Doesn't no. make me feel much uh, better. I will say this. They missed a huge opportunity to add a dessert item to their menu called It's Cobbler in Time. <laughs> oh, let's do this. Let's do this. When I get back in town, we will go to Denny's. You and I will we'll bring a microphone. We will record and we will do a food review of our Slamtastic Four dinner. <laughs> it's a deal. I love this idea. That's a deal. Maybe we'll do it right before we go see the Fantastic Four. Oh, that'd be great. It's awesome. Yeah, I it's love a it. Date. <laughs> <laughs> that is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or everything we missed, hit us up on the THN forums where Joe and I are recounting the time we saw Stan Lee pour ketchup on his penis and run around screaming, Who wants a real Grand Slam breakfast? to a rather unimpressed late night Denny's crowd. Man. Man, that was a crazy night. I miss him. <laughs> I miss him. Every Sunday, the moon's over my hammy. Joe Patrick posts the question of the week in the THN forums. Joey, what are we asking the listeners this week? Sorry, Black Scorpion. This week's question comes from Lord Stephen Fino, the THN Master of Coin. What's your favorite story of a character being outed as a superhero? Oh, either choosing to do so willingly like Spider-Man did in Civil War or having it done without their consent, like in the recent Superman storyline. Oh, man, I'm going to have to really think about this. one. I got one. I'm going to I already it. got mine. I've got like three that just popped into my head, man. Oh, yeah. This is going to be cool. It's a good question. You have until 5 p.m. this coming Friday, June 26th. To get us your answer, you can call, leave a message using Skype. The handle is two at a nerd, all one word. Or call the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. Also, you can send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Keep it short. We prefer two minutes or less. If you need more time than that, head to the THN web forums and write your full answer in the question of the week section. All the peeps are there. They're hanging out. It's true. They're bantering. They're rapping back and forth. They're coming up with answers that you won't even hear on the show. These are heady nerds, man. Yeah, man. They're smart. Tune in next thursday to hear you and your fellow listeners on the answer of the week podcast it'll happen i promise it's review time on thn where joe and i misidentify ourselves as respectable comic critics that have been just that for as long as we can both remember right yeah joe what did you choose to review this week this week i'm reviewing the fiction number one from boom studios written by kurt pyers with art by David Rubin, colors by Michael Garland, it's 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Four childhood friends discover a box of strange books that, when read aloud, can transport them to the beautiful, imaginary worlds described within. But when one of them goes missing, the others vow never to reveal where they've been and what they've seen. Years later, when one of the remaining kids, now an adult, mysteriously disappears, it's up to the last two of the group to dig up their dusty books to find him and finally figure out what happened to their friend all those years ago. Like last week, I struggled a bit to figure out what I wanted to review on the show. I'm kind of tired of talking about event tie-ins, and my pick of the week turned out to be a reprint. Not that any of that is necessarily a bad thing, but I wasn't particularly inspired to write a long-form review about any of it. So I was pleasantly surprised when I came across the fiction number one from Boom. Fifteen years ago, a supernatural force entered the lives of four friends. The book makes it clear that their parents were somehow affected as well. And when the kids first enter the worlds within words, one doesn't make it back. After a decade and a half of growing apart and putting their trauma behind them through denial and rationalization, another member of the group is taken 
Now two dysfunctional adults need to re-enter the fantasy world they left behind as children to find their lost friends. That's exactly what we do every week on this show. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Only we've never found anybody. <laughs> My first impression of the book is that it's something of a mix of the unwritten from Vertigo and Stephen King's It. That's Yeah, I got a lot of that too. It doesn't have the pants-wetting terror of Tim Curry and clown makeup, but the childhood friends reunited to deal with the supernatural hook has the same vibe. The unwritten comparison extends beyond the metafiction premise. The fiction's cover design struck a similar tone as well. Again, none of this is a bad thing. The combination of themes made for a really compelling read. Kurt Pyers has created an interesting cast and manages to breathe life into them in just a few pages. Cassie is a conspiracy theory blogger that sleeps all day and parties all night. <clears throat> Max fills his days with unfulfilling work and meaningless flings. When their old friend Tyler is taken by the fiction, Cassie and Max are thrown back together and it's obvious they have different interpretations of that fateful childhood experience. I loved the art by David Rubin and Michael Garland. Rubin's characters are exaggerated and expressive. He's great with facial expressions, and when things get unreal, his designs are imaginative. Garland seamlessly switches between color palettes from the lightly faded hues of the past to the super-saturated boldness of the fiction to the dark and drab of the modern, mundane world. And together, these guys have produced a beautiful comic. I really loved the fiction number one. I'm a fan of metafictional stories like Multiversity and The Unwritten, so this was right up my alley. I'm eager to see where the story goes from here. I'm giving it a buy it. Yeah, this took me by surprise. I, I just wasn't sure what I was getting into, but I really liked the design of the book from the cover to the first page, which looks like sort of uh, an old-timey silent film introduction, basically, where it says like, the fiction written by so-and-so. Oh, da -da -da. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like a title card. Yeah. Everything about this was just really cool and really well set up. And Ruben, his art sort of caught me off guard at first. Yeah. Like, it's not realistic. It's not that I didn't like it. Yeah. But I wasn't sure about it until I got about halfway into the book. And then I realized I loved it. Oh, right. Love his art. And the coloring, absolutely gorgeous. Ruben, I was trying to think if there was something else that he had done. And you know what he did? Escapo in 2014. He had penciled some stuff on the design with Paul Pope for Escapo when they oh, did redid it. Oh, yeah. And that's... <gasps> did he... He drew the Battling Boy prequel. Yes. Aurora, the yes. Ballad of Aurora West or whatever yes, it's called. that's him. He's boys with Paul Pope. Real yeah, close. Yeah, awesome. I loved his art here. It's a really cool story. I think when all is said and done, this may read better as a trade. It's four issues. It's four issues. Worth checking out whether you're going to wait for the trade or not. I'm giving it a buy it also. Awesome. Matt Bomb, what was your pick for this week? This week, I chose to review Prez, number one from DC, written by Mark Russell with art by Ben Caldwell. This is 32 pages for the low price of $2.99. Some of their new books have been $2.99. Others are $3.99. There seems to be no rhyme, nor reason to it, other than I think they really want people to try out Prez. Originally, Prez was a harebrained Silver Age idea from the minds of Joe Simon and Jerry Grandinetti in 1973. The story followed the adventures of Prez Ricard, the first teenage president of the United States, because back then everyone's name had to deal directly with what they were doing or going to do. <laughs> it lasted all the four issues and no one demanded its return, but return it did. DC Comics reached out to Mark Russell, writer of the critically acclaimed 2013 graphic novel God is Disappointed in You, with Too Much Coffee Man creator Shannon Wheeler on illustration, who is one of the coolest people on the planet, by the way. Yeah. So, 
that makes Russell kick ass by default. According to his interview with comicbookresources.com, Russell had never heard of the Prez comic before being contacted, but after hearing the concept, he was completely sold. Russell sets up the story of Beth Ross, a fast food worker whose training video goes viral in the year 2036. In this near future, the U.S. populace has become so mindless and obsessed with instant internet culture that the presidential election is now held on Twitter. Disappointed with their choices of candidates, Beth Ross becomes the write-in candidate and winner of the 2036 election with a little help from the hacker group Anonymous. I'm glad they're still around. (laughs) Russell and Caldwell are having a blast here, poking fun at American politics and media. We see one of the presidential candidates agreeing to appear on a video podcast hosted by an ADHD moron in a pig mask who paddles him while he spouts his plan for America. Yeah, because he won't, uh, if he doesn't do it, he'll lose Ohio. Yeah. Because the kid's got like 5 million fans in Ohio. Another candidate proposes a taco drone that will feed the poor tacos while also watching them to make sure they're not criminals cheating the system. (laughs) There is some wonderfully sarcastic storytelling going on here. And honestly, the DCU is the last place I thought we would see something this intelligent. Ben Caldwell is not an artist I'm familiar with, but he is perfect to keep up with Russell's quick, witty storytelling. There's nothing revolutionary about his penciling, but the emotion and humor that he packs into every panel is simply stunning. There's a panel of bad guys made up of corrupt politicians and corporate operatives led by corrupt politician Boss Smiley, a character resurrected from the 70s series. Each character Each one of these bad guys has a holographic image that represents the company they work for. There's like a pig hologram over a guy that works for like big pork. And there's a bear hologram face over this guy that works for growl cigarettes. (laughs) And boss smiley has this smiley face floating in front of him. They all plan to use Beth for their own interests. And the way that they did the coloring and the holographic masks is just perfectly executed This is smart, this is funny, and it is beautifully illustrated. Huge props to DC for taking a chance on a book like this, and we need to tell others how good it is. Otherwise, it's back to 15 different Bat and Wolverine books. I'm telling you, tell everyone, go out and buy this. Yeah, it was amazing. I I read the preview, not the preview, it was a... um like an eight-page original prelude in in the back of the Convergence titles last month. And it was fine. It was okay. I thought it was cute. Yeah. This book... This book was amazing. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was beautifully drawn. Uh, I love the idea that the future has devolved in this way. It's Idiocracy plus the West Wing. Absolutely. I can absolutely see that this is where it's heading. Almost every page, I had to stop... And stare at it and and think to myself, what am I reading? What is happening? Yeah. It was just so bonkers. And we haven't seen anything like like maybe Vertigo in the 90s. I could see something like this coming out. But just from DC regular, I mean, just the fact they're willing to take a chance on a book like this. I think it shows real change at that company. Real change. I agree. And, and I, I don't said, care if it's out of desperation either. Sure. I'm happy about it. I said this last night on Twitter. DC has done farty farty poop fart. (laughs) DC has done an amazing job this month, turning around a great array of C and D list. Yeah, books. C and D list is not a negative. It just means they're not household names. Right. (coughs) Please.
please, 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 please follow suit with your A and B list titles. I am begging you. Yes, absolutely. Because there's no reason why they can't all be this great. Really. Bored in the USA. Save me, President Jesus. I'm bored in the USA. So that's a double buy it for the fiction number one. And a double buy it for Pez number one. As always, we want to know what you viral video stars and kidnapped readers thought of these comics. So tweet us your opinions, or better yet, hit us up at the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Those of us who pay attention to the gaming world marvel at Microsoft's lack of announcements at this week's E3 conference. Even when Xbox CEO Satya Nadella stripped naked and traveled back in time Terminator style to make the Xbox One backwards compatible. So thrifty gamers like us can play through Mass Effect 1 again. Matt and I both yawn. Give me a break. But actually, yeah. I was pretty impressed. <laughs> but when they debuted that new customizable controller, our thumbs went fully erect with excitement. <laughs> so join us now as we do some high-speed thumb calisthenics in preparation for our new X-Bone controllers while we review 10 more of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed, go! Astronauts in Trouble, number one from Image. Image brings Larry Young's graphic novel back into print as a serialized miniseries. It took me a while to warm up to Young's writing style, but once I did, I found a really compelling murder conspiracy tale with art by the always great Charlie Adler. Ultimately, though, while I did enjoy this, it's a reprint, and I can see how the dense story might be a turnoff for some. I'm giving it a skim it. Martian Manhunter number one from DC. Rob Williams and Eddie Barrows are the newest creative team with the job of trying to sell everyone's favorite Martian to the masses. Eddie Barrows' art here is outstanding. And while Williams' script seemed like maybe he was giving us another Martian invasion story, which seems to be the only story John Jones is allowed to star in, there's a good enough twist here to keep me reading. I dig the new outfit, too. I didn't think I was going to. This turned out to be way more fun than I thought it was going to be. I'm giving this a buy it. Runaways, number one from Marvel. Lumberjanes writer Noelle Stevenson joins artist Sanford Green for a really odd Breakfast Club meets Deadly Class version of The Runaways. I found myself really enjoying Stevenson's dialogue, though the story obviously has no bearing on anything going on in Secret Wars or even any real stakes at all. I wasn't too keen on Sanford Green's art, unfortunately. I'm giving it a skim it. Justice League of America, number one from DC. Brian Hitch proves he belongs in the double threat category by writing and drawing a JLA story that actually feels like the JLA stories I used to love. Here we get a really well-paced story with two really interesting subplots and a great setup. As usual, Hitch's art goes from positively masterful to a little strange in some panels. One in particular seems to feature the Flash farting. You can't miss it. But this was a very solid first issue featuring the Justice League as I remember them. Until Superman screams, Unite the Seven! I'm in. Buy it. Mega Man 50 from Archie. Worlds unite in this Sonic and Mega Man crossover saga. I've heard nothing but great things about the Mega Man title. So I jumped in and caught up on the crossover in time for this anniversary issue. Really? You read all? <laughs> you read it's four parts. Oh, okay. Convergence wishes it was this much fun. Great art by Dan Schoening that is able to blend the art styles of two different game worlds together really well. Bear in mind, this is a book for kids. So it's going to be 
that way uh, tonally. It, oh, sure. It's not going to be super sure. serious comics. But it's a great, it's great super heroic action on a cosmic scale. I'm giving it a buy it. Mega Man is getting the Man of Action treatment. They're making a new cartoon for Stupendous. it. Stupendous. It's going to be great. Robin, son of Batman number one from DC. Damien lives. I don't know why, because I didn't read the fifth week stunt that was the return of baby Batman, but it doesn't matter. This is Damien, written and drawn by Pat Gleason, traveling with a huge man bat named Goliath. This was nonstop action. It was completely nuts bat fun. I loved this first issue. I cannot wait to read the further adventures of Damien and his man bat buddy. Who knew that Gleason could write? Now, if only that guy would have finished my Kilowog sketch that my wife contacted him to do. Damn you, Gleason. I'm giving it a buy it. <laughs> Thus ends the airing of grievances. Black Canary, number one from DC. Brendan Fletcher and Annie Wu spin Black Canary out of the pages of Batgirl, recasting Dinah as the lead singer of the world's most dangerous band. Look, this isn't Black Canary as I know and love her. At all. But I had a great time reading this. There's a compelling mystery about a pack of monstrous creatures tracking the band and a funny recurring joke about how the band never gets paid because Dinah keeps getting in fights and trashing the venue. Annie Wu's art is awesome. And I enjoyed it a lot more than I did Batgirl. I'm giving it a buy it. This was a violent change for Black Canary, but I also liked it. It's not a violent change from the Batgirl version. Uh, uh, well, okay, that's fair. Thor's number one from Marvel. Thor writer Jason Aaron proves he can write any f***ing Thor story he wants when he gives us a Thor police procedural starring Beta Ray Bill and Ultimate Thor yeah. with incredible art by Chris Sprouse. This one had it all. A Groot Thor that can only say, I am Thor. A frog Thor forensic investigator and even a grumpy old chief in the form of Odin. This was clever. Or was it just old Thor? No, that was Odin, I think. Because he had, he had the eye patch. Yeah, but and he had the ravens. That was Odin. This was clever and fun like the majority of the Secret Wars tie-in so far. I'm giving this a gigantic buy it. Dr. Fate, number one from DC. Legendary writer Paul Levitz teams with the shadow hero artist Sonny Liu to reboot Dr. Fate. I love Sonny Liu. The art in this book is wonderful. This seems like a complete retooling of Dr. Fate. No mention of Naboo at all. What? And I don't think there was any indication that it even took place in the DCU at all. Really? Not necessarily a bad thing, but unfortunately, I didn't find the cast all that compelling. So without those familiar elements to hook me, I kind of lost interest. It's not bad, but it's okay at best. Skim it. It almost seems like DC is like sort of throwing a lot of these characters out the way that they throw them out to separate TV companies. They're like, yeah, it's, this is Dr. Fate's world. And this is, you know. Maybe. I mean, and there's no reason they can't do a Dr. I Fate suppose. story completely separate from it, anything DC related. It's it, But I just. I don't know if I need that. I didn't latch onto it. Yeah. Ghostbusters. Get real. <laughs> Number one from IDW. I wasn't quite sure what the shtick was here, but it hit me halfway through. The creators are going for this 80s Saturday morning cartoon style because this is a crossover with the real Ghostbusters. Yeah. The animated show. How did you not know that? Picking up the cover. I had no idea going into it, honestly. Holy sh**. IDW continues to do a great job with their Ghostbusters title. And here, the Ghostbusters are crossing over with the animated Busters from the late 80s animated series. This was fun, and if you love the Ghostbusters, you should be reading this comic. I was giggling through this. I'm it was funny. Buy it. Yeah, it was really good. It was great. That is your ludicrous speed round, and Thwarp is the sound made by a ghost trap sucking up a nasty ghost. 
as seen in this week's issue of Ghostbusters. Get real! Now aim your proton accelerators at twitternerd.com and fry us with your opinions of these comics over at the This Week's Comics section of the THN Forums. that everyone's favorite Pope Francis added himself to a list of global climate change deniers alongside a disturbingly long list of other idiots, Joey and I decided to invite his grace to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum for our annual summer solstice barbecue and orgy, where our amazing friends Iceman and Firestar will be demonstrating what happens when the polar ice caps melt using Frankie's bald head as the North Pole. Joe, while I'm mopping these spare ribs, why don't you tell the kids what you're excited to read next Did you week? just threaten the pope no we're just explaining it for him that's all oh yeah my pick for next week is superman 41 from dc comics written by gene Lin yang with art by john ramita jr here is your solicit the epic news storyline truth continues with the debut of the amazing new creative team of new writer with the word new is in this sentence no fewer than three times <laughs> new 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 Gene Lin Yang of American Born Chinese and continuing artists John Romita Jr. and Klaus Jansen. What will happen when the big secret is revealed? Question mark. Hey, you remember in all the Batman and Superman books the last couple weeks how Superman's secret identity is public knowledge and he's wandering around in a t-shirt and yeah. you're like, wait a minute, did I miss something? Yeah. The answer is no. These events take place before all of the other books that have come out this yeah, month. Yeah, even in Martian Manhunter, there's a scene of the JLA up in the yep, watchtower Superman and in Superman standing there in a t-shirt. That was a little jarring, because that's not happening in the other JLA. Right. <laughs> you know what? It's fine. Really, I'm excited for this book because I am a huge fan of Gene Luen Yang, and I'm excited to see him take over Superman. I'm really curious to see what he does with this. Exactly. What is your pick, Matt Bomb? We both picked DC books. What is up? When was the last time that happened? I picked We Are Robin, number one, from DC, written by Lee Bermejo with art by Rob Haynes. This is 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Spinning out of the pages of Batman, the teenagers of Gotham City have adopted the R. Pardon me. Have adopted the R and made it their own. A new Robin? No. Hundreds of new Robins. Don't miss the start of this new series from rising star writer Lee Bermejo. I'm not sure how he's a rising star writer, because I don't think he's written anything. He's written a few things. Okay. He writes Suicide. Oh, that's right, which was good. We both liked it. Who also provides the covers? Haynes worked on Daredevil Ninja back in 2000. I remember, and I think he's great. He's a fantastic artist. Willie Toots, when he guest hosted the other day, was just asking, where the hell is that guy? Here you go. We are Robin. That's super cool. The THN Trade of the Week is the Howard the Duck Complete Collection Volume 1 from Marvel Comics, written by Steve Gerber, with art by Gene Colan and some other jerks. I love Various's work. <laughs> it's 456 damn pages. Son of a... For 35 bucks. Bitch! <laughs> Get the full story of how Marvel's most notorious movie star became trapped in a world he never made. Howard the Duck takes an adventure into fear when he's plucked from Duck World and finds himself on Earth. Bill Tabroboskis with the melancholy muck monster Man-Thing. Wow! <laughs> Stuck here on a planet of hairless apes, the furious fowl forges a future for himself My in, God, who wrote of it? all places, <laughs> Cleveland. 
But the would-be master of quack Fu will have his wings full, hanging out with Spider-Man and waging wag with madcap menaces like the space turnip, the cookie creature, the beaver. Yeah, and Dr. Bong. Not that kind of bong. His head, not that kind of beaver. His head is a bell, not a water bong. <laughs> will that earn him a spot on the Defenders? Better yet, Howard for president. <laughs> this book collects a ton of yeah, it collects like everything he appeared in back in the 70s. This is just fun, wacky Marvel, like lunacy. Howard the Duck is great. It's great stuff. This is going to be so much fun. And not to mention almost 500 pages for 35 bucks. Not bad. Good God, man. It seems Pope Frank is beginning to understand the gravity of climate change and that it's not just God holding a magnifying glass in front of the sun to watch us panic. Be sure to weigh in on the controversy yourselves over the Teach and Forums and tell us also what you're excited to read next week. Alright, dig it. And I'm looking for some sketches But Hester's line is capped So I am off to Phil Jimenez Ex-wrestlers all around But none of them WWE This cosplay's fresh nerds looking deaf Yo, what's up, Warriors 3? Card players all be shuffling Their decks of magic cards While loppers swing their padded swords And smell like wet cigars So I got a fence rolled over To the other side of the arena And see a sign says line starts here to meet Paco Medina. <laughs> Woo! So dope. <laughs> or lame, or both. I don't know. More importantly, the comic bushers are back, folks. I'm doing a little fade on the fly here, so excuse me if it sounds like. This is the part of the show where you guys write in asking us for new comic reads, and of course, we're more than willing to oblige. Do this week. You have to come up with an insult. Can yeah, you just yeah, call yeah. her Sam? No. This week, a chicken head junkie freak named Sam hits us from the THN forum saying, Hi, Joe and Matt. I recently started listening to your comic cast, and it's fan-fucking-tastic. You guys make my workday fly by, which I cannot thank you enough for. We can only assume she does something that sucks. I don't know. As I'm a bit late to your guys' show, I've been chugging through your older episodes. Okay, don't do that. You don't need to. She's doing it. And have been slowly making my way to the top. I think I just hit the 130s, which was right about the time where we figured out how to actually podcast. I think we figured it out before that. <laughs> and it's been an entertaining and informative journey so far. While I've always enjoyed comics and have picked up a few here and there, most of my purchases have been towards the Buffy the Vampire Slayer series. Good choice. I've been a huge fan since the start and of Joss Whedon in general for over a decade. While I love seeing the Slayer kick ass, I only recently decided to dive headfirst into everything the comic book universe has to offer. I've already picked up a few series that you both have mentioned, and I am loving the hell out of all of them. Some of the ones I've picked up are Fables, Invincible, and Powers. I've also been reading Aaron's new Thor 2014, which I've totally been loving. And I also picked up his Thor God of Thunder, which was crazy good. Now I want to dive into some good X-Men, Spider-Man and Iron Man books, but there are so many 
issues and arcs that I am just not sure where a good place to start is. Can the comic pushers help me out? You guys are awesome. Thanks again for everything you guys do. Cheers. Sam. The forum guys helped her out too. Oh, well, that's cool. That's cool. Screw those guys. <laughs> what? I'm totally stealing their answers though. <laughs> so she wants X-Men, Spider-Man, and Iron Man books. Right now is kind of a tough time because as you know, I'm sure there's a big event going on called Secret Wars that's shaking everything up and we don't really know how things are going to come down in the end. So we're going to have to just sort of like reach into maybe the recent past. Well, sure. You don't, if yeah. you want to just get a taste for the character and kind of see what they're all about and then jump into the new thing that starts. Sure. You don't have to necessarily read the current thing. You can go back and, and read some of the iconic stuff. Right. And get a good primer for the character. I actually think it's a great time to be interested in Iron Man because they're about to do a big Iron Man relaunch a with Brian Michael Bendis. Huge Iron Man relaunch. And David Marquez. Yes. So pick that up. You already like his powers. You're going to oh like yeah, his Iron absolutely. Man. Along those same uh, along those same lines, there are a couple of really great Iron Man runs that you should check out. Warren Ellis did an arc called Extremis, which kind of did a lot of informing of the movies. And also fed into a lot of what went on in the in the Iron Man comics for years to come. Absolutely. Uh, Matt Fraction's Invincible Iron Man is really wonderful. Man, I, I can't. Yeah, I can't tell you enough how good that series was. That kind of came out right as Iron Man 1, the movie hit. Yes. And it ran for, how long was he on that? It was several years. Three or four years, I think? Yeah, and launched after Secret Invasion. Yes, that's right. But if you dig writers like that who really go into the personal story of the hero and it's not all just slam bang action, you get to see him interact and be who Tony Stark really is and realize how screwed up he actually is. Matt Fraction had such a wonderful grasp on that character. Really did. And if you disagree with me, you're wrong. I <laughs> loved that series. Absolutely pick up his Invincible Iron Man. If you want something a little bit more iconic, which typically means old, right. <laughs> uh, Demon in a Bottle and Armor Wars are both still out in trade form in nice, thick, complete volumes. Oh, yeah. Classic Iron Man stuff. Just bear in mind that they're dated. They're from the 80s. Yes. And so they're going to be a little different than today's modern comics, but... And sort of judging by what you've been reading and loving, they could seem a little strange. Yeah, but I think there's value in going back and oh, revisiting the past. As definitely. long as you go into it with the right mindset, like you know that it's not going to be... For I don't mean it to sound insulting, but for lack of a better uh, term, they're not as sophisticated as modern comics. Right. But they do tackle a lot of crazy themes like uh, Demon in a Bottle is all about Tony confronting his alcoholism and actually losing the right to be Iron Man. Yeah. Which is where uh, James Rhodes steps in, who has a prominent part in, in the Marvel movie franchise now. Uh, Armor Wars is all about espionage, industrial espionage, and Tony taking the law into his own hands to reclaim what's his after it's been stolen from him. Yeah, it's kind of like an arms race that takes place after... Tony decides not to share the Iron Man armor. Other people go, all right, well, we can build stuff too. And everything goes nuts from there. Right. I really wish they would have done that with the second and third Iron Man movies. <laughs> anyway, moving on to Spider-Man. I, I know that some guys on the forums were helping you out on here about this. And I know that they recommended jumping in with brand new day. Not one more day. Brand, Brand new, new day, day yes. which was the first, uh, the kind of launch of the the new Spider-Man status quo, kind of what he's got going on up until now. I actually disagree. 
I think Brand New Day is very hit and miss. Though you do have a lot of good works by creators like Mark Wade and Dan Slott. Okay. You've also got, in my opinion, very forgettable arcs. Guggenheim was working Guggenheim, on Guggenheim, yeah. Um, there is some fun stuff. Like Joe Kelly did a couple of rhino stories that are amazing, yeah, amazing. They were fantastic. Stories about the rhino. But also, like, if you're trying to dip your toes in, it might not resonate as much. I think that if you want to get into Spider-Man, you should skip ahead to big time. Yes. Which is where Dan Slott took over as solo writer of Amazing Spider-Man. And that's really when Dan Slott started steering the ship. He was in charge of everything. And Spider-Man. he's been on that book ever since. Um, and you can follow it all the way up through Superior Spider-Man if you want. Superior Spider-Man is actually a really great read, even if you haven't been reading Spider-Man. You could jump in with the very last arc of Amazing Spider-Man, which is called Dying Wish. Uh, don't do that. Don't do that. I would say start with Big Time, because the build-up to that is so good. I suppose. That when it does finally happen, it is so wacky and ridiculous and fun. I mean, remember, people tore their clothes off and burned them. They were so mad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that if you don't want to read quite so much, Superior Spider-Man is a really great arc it's it's uh about a three-year span of books 30 some issues uh, a really great character arc with the villain in charge of spider-man's body well, don't ruin and then coming more. to ter- hello okay. come on <laughs> and then coming to terms with his own shortcomings and uh, you know big spoilers everyone knows that peter would be back eventually well and the best way that we could learn that peter was the hero that he is was, was to have the villain have try to do better somebody twice as smart as him try and do the job and, and fail and go oh crap he was actually really good at this <laughs> it's really really great uh, but big time is uh, where dan slot started to plant a lot of seeds for that stuff and yeah. it's really fun arc and uh, that'll get you all the way up through now absolutely x-men this is a harder one X-Men is a very tough place, is a very tough uh, book to just jump into. Well, really tough. And they're in a really tenuous spot where we don't know where the X-Men are going to be when everything shakes out with Secret Wars. We've heard, we reported on the rumors that they would be on a different planet. Yeah, but we know they'll still be around. There'll still be an X-Men book. There will still be X-Men. But as far as a place to just jump in... I think if you're a Joss Whedon fan, you just go straight to Astonishing X-Men. I think you can do that, too. Joss Whedon did an excellent job with... It was only, like, what, 12 issues? 24 issues. He did 24 issues of it? Yeah, four volumes. That's right. He did an excellent job on a 24-issue storyline that really just sort of looked into the actual characters of the X-Men. I mean, there was still a lot of stuff that happened, and there was big slam-bang mutant fights and stuff, but I think he was a lot closer to the interpersonal stuff that you have been reading and really enjoyed. Yeah. If you are a fan of Joss Whedon's, you know, trademark knack for dialogue and character interaction, astonishing X-Men is a wonderful book. It does trade on a lot of contextual history that you might, especially with Kitty pride. You'll pick that up. You'll pick that up, but it might be a little lost on you. If you're not super familiar with the X-Men of the past, which is why I say, if you think the X-Men are cool and you want to read more about them, I don't think it's a bad idea at all to go back and pick up trades of like Days of Future Past. Sure. Or uh, the Dark Phoenix saga. Those books hold up and they will be dated just kind of just like Demon in a Bottle would be. But those guys were doing work that was so far above the level of everyone else in comics at the time. Oh, yeah. These are the the Chris Claremont, John Byrne. Some of the best like superhero comics ever written. 
It's like it's like having a run of comics where almost every single storyline is something iconic and famous that yeah. it was referenced for years to come. And this is stuff that still plays into X comics today. There, like, yeah, modern X comics part. would be a completely different beast without those stories. I don't, and I'll tell you, since you already like Powers, and we know you like Bendis, go start at the beginning of his X run. It really is fantastic. He brought like the hum- yeah, all new X Men. He brought and the, the most recent relaunch of Unfinished back to the X Men. They got kind of lost for a long time there while everybody was trying to figure out what they want to do with the X Men, and he sort of scaled it back and just said, "Look." what people love are the actual X-Men. They love Scott Summers. They love Nightcrawler. They love Wolverine. They love, you know, Colossus. Let's get into them. Let's go into them. Again, and, though, I do think that a lot of Bendis's work on the X-Men trades off of storylines that happened immediately prior. I know it definitely does, but like the schism and all the falling out of Wolverine and Cyclops and yeah, all that but stuff. You will pick up on that, that like it, he spells it out really well. And I think the way that he did it to show that Marvel was sort of not, not necessarily floundering, but lost with what to do with the X-Men was to go back and get the original X team and bring them into the now and go, here's a look at what's happening <laughs> like, with right. the X-Men now in Marvel. What do you guys, who were the original X team, think? And they're like, you people are fucking insane. Yeah, to them, to them, they may as well have been brought to an alien planet. And it's wonderful because, like, for a new reader like you, who doesn't know all about this stuff, you can experience it with the old X Men that are brought into the new time. So what I always say to people is that you just really, when it comes right down to it, you can take all the recommendations you want, but you need to look at storylines. Find one that you think looks cool and just dive in. Yeah, dig in. Because that's what we did when we were kids. Yeah. You know, there's a saying that I don't know who originated it, but I hear it a lot from uh, editors and stuff in the industry. Every comic book is somebody's first. Sure. And that's why you just have to kind of go for it. And don't worry about reading it all. That's impossible. You don't have that kind of time. No one does. Just pick something and jump right in. That's what I used to do, too. I'd go to the quick shop. I had 75 cents. Like, that robot looks cool. I'll buy it. (laughs) Turned out that robot was Box, and he's one of my favorite characters of all time. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that said, all the recommendations we gave you are pretty awesome. Yes. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for your letter. We'll call it digital letter, right? She sent a letter, an email, yeah? An email. Thank you so much for your email, Sam. We hope that you were able to pluck something from that rant we just ran on. And we want to hear back from you. Read some of this. Yeah, go to the forums. Tell us what you thought. Read some of this. Go to the forums. Tell us what you thought. And if you're brave enough, you could even call in and be like, hey, I just read whatever. I really liked it. Thank you, comic pushers. We will play it on the show. That would be awesome. Internet fame. But right now, we're going to sit down with a very good and old friend of ours. If you follow him on Twitter, you might know him as New Mutant. His real name is Alan White. He has a book called The Power Principle that just hit Comixology last week. It's brand spanking new. Yeah. We're going to sit down and have a short conversation with our buddy, Alan White. Listen, nerds, you are in for a treat. I've got Alan White, better known on Twitter as the new mutant, here in the ziggurat with me. Well, via phone call anyway. Say hello, Alan. Hello, Alan. (laughs) Tell me about the power principle. My book that I've been working on for 30 years. 30? Actually, there was a bit of a hype between when I first conceived it when I was going to Joe Kubert 
back in the 80s. When did you graduate and from Kubert? Oh, I, well, see, I didn't. Oh. That's the problem. Kubert dropout. in my mind. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, beauty school dropout. Oh, wow. I started and then uh, I left at the, the first winter break, the first uh, Christmas break. Just but I had started a story while I was there and uh, got a hold of that story and produced it in a comic book form and published it at eighty nine ninety. And it, it distributed through Diamond at the time. Those copies are even still available. If you you can look it up on eBay, they're <laughs> they're being sold from uh, Mile High Comics. Really? What's a, what's that book called? It's called The Power Principle. Oh, it is The Power Principle. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so is this the return of The Power Principle? That's exactly right. That's exactly what I'm doing. The book that was published in the 90s, I call it now Volume Zero. Okay. What you get on Comixology is Volume 1 that I started, well, four years ago, 2011. Okay. Because after I started getting into the comics community and internetting and uh, buddies all over the world, you know, trading stories and talking about who they are and where they come from, and I mentioned that I had done the Power Principle back in the day, and I'm like, well, why don't you, why don't you do it now? How come you don't draw now? And, I, and then after it, I was asked enough times, I asked myself the same question, why aren't I doing it now? And I had no answer for that, so I started to do it again. Fair enough. It's about the same five guys that I wrote about back in my cartooning school days, and, it was, and it's about five cartooning school students who get exposed to some kind of substance and become the world's first superhuman. So that happened then in the 80s. Okay. And now this one that you will get on Comicsology is their same story 30 years later. What the world's been like, what's been going on with them. You'll find surprisingly that not a lot has changed. Yeah, there's a 30-year gap between Volume 0 and Volume 1. Is this going to be an ongoing story or a limited series? What do you think? Ongoing, because when I restarted the Power Principle, I restarted it as a Kickstarter. Okay. Okay, let me ask you, is it going to be 30 years before we get issue two? Hell no. Okay. All right. That's what I was worried about. (laughs) (laughs) The the Kickstarter was for eight issues. Oh, cool. Yes. And those eight issues are done. They're in the can. They're in the can. And so is this going to be monthly? Yes. Comixology is already approved number two. It's in their their system, and it, it will go live on uh, the rough kind of date. I have three, four, five, six, seven, and eight already on my hard drive waiting to be uh, pissed, sent, and they will be up monthly. That is so, awesome. We can find the Power Principle yeah. number one on Comics Allergy right now. Is there going to be a hard copy edition, or are you just doing digital? Get the digital, and then those will be collected after, after all eight are out. Right on. And if we want to check out Volume Zero... You can dig around on eBay and maybe find some from Mile High Comics. Alan, yeah, it has been a pleasure talking to you, man. Thank you so much. You're a longtime listener. You've been with us since almost the damn beginning. I appreciate you listening to <laughs> slogging through some of these episodes. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. <laughs> the, pleasure is, the pleasure is all mine. You guys are dynamic and amazing. Oh, you stop that, you. I know what you're doing. Nope, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you can follow Alan on Twitter at New Mutant. You can pick up the power principle 
on Comixology, available now. There's going to be eight issues. They're in the can. They're done. It's coming out monthly. What else? You got anything else you want to pimp? Oh, The Power Principle is also on Facebook. You can look up The Power Principle on Facebook. All right, then. Click on it. Like it. It's good stuff. Joe and I are fans. Alan, thank you so much for talking to us, man. Alan, thank you so much for talking to us. We miss hearing your voice on THN. True that. We used to have him all the time. He's calling all the time. He's a busy guy. I get it. He's making his own comic. He's doing more than we are. That's right. If you're laying in your own filth, James Jouncing. (laughs) Jouncing. If you're (laughs) like... Change it. Jouncing is really a word. If you're laying in your own filth, jonesing for a new, highly addictive read, you can beg the comic pushers for some product over at the THN forums, just like Sam did, or by email at twoheadednerd at gmail.com, or you can call the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894, and we'll play your call on the show, exposing your shame to America. That's right, nerds. To the world, we're worldwide. We are worldwide. Mm. Sort of of, break it it down like this. And that is it for the Summer Solstice episode of THN. If you also enjoy pagan orgies to celebrate the changing of the seasons, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And while you're there, leave us your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, and your little hearts. Because dudes, dudettes, it helps us to connect with other potential listeners. And that's a good thing. Thank you to all of our donors. And if you want to keep us in ceremonial daggers and goat masks, you can do so by clicking our PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. Got all wicker man in here all of a sudden. I picture it, I picture it more like the movie Dragnet. Yeah, pagan. People against goodness and normalcy. Yeah, we have like the furry pants Pockets on. full of quaaludes. <laughs> if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation monthly box and as little as a dollar a month really does help. And if you want to sponsor THN, shoot us an email with the subject line, Sponsorship. Nice job remembering the pagan. <laughs> I love that movie. It was a great movie. Don't you mean the virgin Connie Swales? <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> While you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Tumblr, Skype, and the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. And don't forget to go and sign up for the THN forums. It's your little virtual piece of the Ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show. You can ask us to review your self-published comics. You can learn more about our segments and how you can be a part of them. Yes, even you. Or you can just rap about comics. If you dig the music you hear on the show, you can follow our soundtrack playlist on Spotify. Just search for Matt Bomb's name. His profile's right there right with there. our soundtrack list every week. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Jason's Aaron and Latour whose image title, Southern Bastards, was just optioned for TV by the FX network. Looks like someone over there regrets letting Justify end. Word to you, Jasons. That is going to be one mean-ass TV show. Hell yeah. (laughs) Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics because a retailer might just beat you to death with a club carved from an old oak tree if you don't. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off. Happens more often than you think. I know, right? Raw business. I couldn't wait, man! If you get me up tight, I am. Right now!